This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg. And real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm. Mmm. Grilled onions. And a butter bagel too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. I participate in McDonald's. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708 708- Four seven eight six zero nine zero Marishka's in Crest Hill, family owned and operated since nineteen thirty three. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit Chuck'sCafe.com and SeatGiant.com. Use promo code Madhouse at checkout to save. Let's drop the damn puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I Chicago! Welcome into a big edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Navo from NBC5 Chicago and with me as always is the one, the only, the excellent hockey reporter that he is and the most handsome man I know, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score. Jay, we had our first uh, post-game edition of the show last night, but now we get to be a little bit more long-form. We get to talk about a lot of a lot more than just that game. feels good to not be constrained by this new format that we've devised for ourselves. No, it's good. I, You know, last night's game, I'm happy to leave it in a rearview mirror, as I'm sure the Blackhawks are as well, but it is a good place to start just sort of looking back at the last stretch of Hawks games where they've seemingly played every night. And uh, I know you wanted to talk about this and I want to talk about it too. You know, the scheduling has been ridiculous all year and last week was not an exception. And I do, despite the Hawks not playing well and despite the effort not being there last night, they were tired. There's no doubt about it. And it's understandable. Yes. You'd like to see them sort of fight through it and be a little bit better, overall and they weren't but uh, when you look at what they've done what they've gone through over the last four games or so it's ridiculous and it's really hard for anyone I don't care how much money you make I don't care what kind of physical condition you're in whatever to travel as much as they do to play as much hockey as they did uh, it's it's very understandable for them to have been not as sharp over the last couple games yeah, it's been one of those things that we've talked about a lot this season when they'd play one game in six days or they would do just all sorts of stupid stuff with the schedule. And now we had this bit where they played five and seven. And it's just like, are you kidding? Like, why can't you even this out a little bit? Like, I get that it is so, so difficult to schedule. What is it like 2000 games or, or like, that's of course, MLB, it's not easy. It's, it's, not it's, easy. it's very, it's very difficult to schedule that many games with this many teams going across the country multiple times, and you have to have every team play each other twice, and you have to have the division rivals play X number of times, yada, yada. You can't have back-to-back nights if you're going coast-to-coast. I get that that is all incredibly difficult. It's not something they just plug into a computer and let go. They actually have to sit there and like design this schedule. This isn't something simple to do. But I also get the notion that it, it isn't fair to these players that they have to play five games in seven nights sometimes and other times play like one game in six. It feels just completely ridiculous that they can't even this out a little bit more. And it's a competitive disadvantage for teams that have to kind of go through that. And especially with the Blackhawks, they had to play a couple of really solid teams during that stretch too. It's not like they played 
you know, bums. They played the Los Angeles Kings, who were one of the top defenses in the NHL. They played the Dallas Stars, who are a divisional rival, and they've got speed to burn. They played teams that are pretty solid, and they had to play them all in this condensed format. And we've been talking about all season. It just seems like there is just this fits and starts and stops. And it's I know that we kind of got irritated about it, you know, for our podcast sake. And, you know, screw us. We don't matter in the grand scheme of things for the NHL. But for these players, it's not fair. And I thought it was ridiculous. And I'm so glad that that stretch is kind of behind us now. Well, yeah, they just come off the stretch of five games and seven nights. Then they have Washington Wednesday, Buffalo Friday, Arizona Sunday, Florida Tuesday, and Winnipeg Wednesday or Thursday. So it's one, two, three, four, five games in nine nights. So they're right back at it again. It's just, I don't know, man. And then you look later in the month and you've got three days off, four days off. It just seems like they could have done a better job lining these things up. And like you said, it's not easy to do. I understand. But look. Have the are the LA Lakers being forced to do this? Are the LA Clippers being forced to do this? Are the LA Kings being forced to do this? They've got three teams playing in that damn arena. Not to mention everything that's happening in LA, every award show. I don't want to hear it. It's ridiculous. And yeah, the circus trip is gone. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe not. But if this is the alternative, I think they'd rather have the circus trip. Yeah, and and I think the other thing too, like it wasn't just like the. Blackhawks playing like five games in eight days like on a road trip that's a little bit different than having to play a couple road games and then come home and then go back on the road right. it's just like, at least if you're in, if you're playing LA Anaheim San Jose in the course of you know five nights or whatever that's fine because they're all right there you're not flying to you know uh Dallas then back home or um, you're, you know you're at home then to Dallas then home for LA you're just flying over the country it's 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 understandable that the Hawks would get tired after that sort of a run. It's totally understandable. It sucks. You wish they would have been better. But, uh, look, I haven't really heard them complain about it too much um, vocally, you know, um, out, you know, publicly. But I, I think they have a legitimate beef here, and I think the league needs to do something to look at what happened, why it happened, and to fix it. And I wonder if they were just so used to having the routine of the circus trip that they sort of just, oh boy, they didn't consider what might happen now that the Hawks are, you know, not having that trip anymore. They're going to have to work, work around it. So I, I understand it was a, an adjustment, but isn't there some sort of computer program where you can just like barf out a schedule? You would think, you would think but then like there's a league like the NFL where they – they do have that kind of computer program, but then they have humans that go through it and literally like plan it out and they map it out. It's this incredibly complex process to make sure that, well, this team can't be at home on this date. Like they, they had an NF. It wasn't you guys on Spiegel and Parkins. Like somebody had an NFL schedule maker on their show, and I remember listening to it. And it was this fascinating process by which they had, I think, it was thousands of different like potential schedule formulations and they had to make sure like oh the bears can't be at home chicago marathon weekend or just like all sorts of different stuff and it was amazing listening to the complexity of the nfl schedule but then you put that over 82 games Oof, i do not envy nhl schedule makers at all but you also you you have to do better it's not just 82 games either. It's also 82 games in shared arenas. Right. Most NFL teams are not sharing their building with anyone, and they just show up when they want. You know, it's their place. Yeah. You know, I know other things happen at those venues, but they are specifically the home arena for one team. So, uh, and it's right, like you said, it's only 16. I don't know. I, it needs to be better. I'm sure this isn't a super interesting topic to our listeners, but it's been on my mind lately especially with the way the Hawks have fared over the last little bit. But it needs to be better, and maybe this year is just an anomaly, and we'll see. Next year, you know, the circus trip will still be gone, um, so we'll see if it looks any better next year. But this year it's not been good. Too many large gaps of not playing and too many games squeezed together in a short period of time for my liking. See, I think a lot of it probably had to do with the Olympics as well because the NHL wasn't sure whether or not they were going to go until – it, it took a while for them to decide officially, okay, we're done. We're not going. We're having the all-star game. We're going to do all this stuff. 
I'm sure that had something to do with it too, that you had that kind of uncertainty floating over the whole process that I'm sure that had a little bit to do with it too. Well, it must have been something because, um, I don't know, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And I haven't seen a lot of other teams' fans complain about this. I'm sure the Hawks aren't alone in this situation, but uh, I don't know. It just seems like it's smacking them very hard. Like I said, you look at even in January, you've got um, one, two, three, four, five games in, in a week. You know, it's mm-hmm. just it's too much. It's 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 kind of unfair to ask the players to withstand this. Look at this. February 10th, 12th, 13th, 15th, and 17th they have games. I mean, Good that's Lord, man. it's crazy. It's crazy. At least they're out, you know, they're in Minnesota, then Arizona, then Vegas. So that's not, you know, you're always going the same way. Right. But it's, it's still, it's it's a lot to ask, especially for a veteran team. And I know we're making excuses for them, and it's not the reason they're losing. And it's not the reason that they're, well, you know, they're probably better than they're playing. And, and we're not giving them that excuse. Um, they do need to be better, and they need to win these games. I'm sorry. Every team goes through periods like this, and they need to be better. But you can't ignore the fact that the schedule's been as out of whack as it's been. That's all I'm saying. And it, and it probably didn't help with stuff like the Corey Crawford injury like and that kind of thing. It probably didn't help that they weren't able to give him like a day or two off in between starts oftentimes. Like it was kind of – well, you got to run back out there. And you know Corey Crawford's going to want to play every single night. And trying to take him out of the lineup is like trying to take Moby Dick out of a bathtub. It's just not going to work. Like, you have Anton Forsberg, and he's what? played. You've never heard that phrase before? No. Dude. Take Moby Dick out of a bathtub? It's not How'd easy. How did he get in there in the first place? That's a great question, and I'll answer that. And they're saying, "No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that as the tease to the next segment. We're not. We're not getting into the physics of this metaphor, man. <laughs> it's a big That's... ass bathtub <laughs> or a super small dick. I have no idea where I read that, but I have read that somewhere, and that was like the thing that my brain like shuffled through all of the available metaphors and picked it up. I, Good I, job. I, I, well, I, I liked it. It made my night. <laughs> well good like i'm glad that i was able to amuse you with that you know especially talking about such a uh, bummer topic of four straight losses and an injured goaltender and nhl dumbness i'm glad that i was able to bring some levity to the situation all right well with that one let's cleanse the palate after the uh, moby dick in the bathtub joke and uh, we're gonna take our first time out and then come back with and talk some actual hockey. How about that? That sounds good. Yeah. Before we do, got to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. You know they're the best place to go in the area to get your NHL jerseys lettered, but they are also the best place to get your team's jerseys, sweats, warm-ups, everything you need for your team. Triple Threat Sports will make you look legit. You'll be the best-looking team on the ice, on the court, on the pitch, on the field, whatever you want to say. Triple Threat is the place to go, so give Chris a call. 708-478-6090, 708-478-6090. They can hook you up with the most basic, you know, two-color T-shirt to the most elaborate hockey jersey with a super detailed logo that they can help you design. So give them a call for all your needs or email chris at triplethreadsports.com, triplethreadsports. If you can wear it, they can make it. We'll be back with more frivolity on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into what's already been a rollicking and fun edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I just made a metaphor about Moby Dick in a bathtub, and now it's time to talk about Dick Panic. I feel like that's an excellent segue, and we need to talk about the man who hasn't scored seemingly since the dawn of time. Richard Panic once again got demoted from the top line on Sunday night, and with good reason, he hasn't scored since Jesus was born in Nazareth, and I'm really starting to get concerned, man. It's... It's been like kind of an ongoing thing where it's like, oh, he's, you know, doing a few other things here and there. Now it's just like, dude, put the puck in the stinking net. What's wrong with you? Like, what? I, I have no idea what's going on with him. I have no idea what's kind of contributing to this. Is he injured? Yada, yada. So, Jay, I mean, it, it has to be asked are we at a point where it is time for Richard Panic to get a healthy scratch? Yes absolutely the problem is there's no forwards to put in the lineup that are on the bench i, I mean other than tanner caro yeah i don't really well they're, they're, I, he's I think the only thought, extra forward they've got right now and i think that we have uh, established that q is not the most fond of him for some reason i like tanner caro I, I like when he plays but 
Uh, man, now is the time. We've been talking for weeks about getting Vinny Henestrosa here, about getting him up in yep. Chicago and playing on the big club. Now is the time. You are dying for offense. Richard Panic is giving you nothing. Again, he's on the ice with the empty net at the end of the game, and I understand you want the big body in front, but how about one that can, like, put a puck in a net every now and again? And Steve Conroy was so desperate to credit him for screening Jonathan Quick on that Jonathan Taves goal, and he, ju- he just wasn't. He wasn't there no. yet. Taves just picked that spot. There was a defender in front of the net, and he nailed that shot. Richard Panic had basically nothing to do with it and it was so it was funny watching it like he just wanted to will it to be true and it just wasn't well there's a lot of things he's saying that no one else is but that's a different story for a different day (laughs) um but panic you know for a guy in quenville that is so famous for the line blender get him off the top line apparently not come on like what are we waiting for and I know John Hayden played there a little bit at the end of the game. I like John Hayden. I like John Hayden a lot. I think he's a really solid bottom six player. He's not a top line player. Now is the time. Put the Bryn kit there. Bring up Vinny Henestrosa. Play him there. Something. Something's got to give. Right? This team has not played well enough to be rolled out night after night after night. Give some fresh blood a look. Put Michael Kempney in there every now and again. You know what? I know Ruta and Forsling have played pretty well, but find a way. You've got to, I don't know, you got to shake things up sometimes for the sake of it. And this team is in the need of a shakeup, and it's not going to be a major trade. It's not going to be anything like that. They just need something different right now. And I think, to me, the number one option for that is Vinny Henestrosa. And I think Richard Panic should either sit or be demoted or whatever, but they've got to do something, and they've got to find a way to get Henestrosa here. You talked a couple weeks ago about Jordan Osterley, and they're afraid about waving him and losing him. I don't know. At this point, if they're going to play him as rarely as they play him, then just wave him anyway. You've got to take the risk if you're not if you're literally not going to give him a look on the ice and if you're playing 5 games in 7 nights, why in God's green earth are you carrying eight defensemen if you're not really going to cycle through them? They've done right. it a little bit here and there with Michael Kempney getting him in the lineup and occasionally benching Cody Franzen and yeah, like, they, they're doing it a little bit, but that was like a time tailor-made to jigger with the lineup a little bit and to get guys in and out with breathers, and they didn't do it. There, it, There is no point to continuing to carry eight defensemen if you're not going to use them like that. So what do you do? Send one of them down. Oh, no, we might get claimed on wave. I highly doubt it. Again, let me reiterate. He's a decent player. But guys don't get claimed on waivers very often in the NHL. It doesn't happen all that often. It's not like the NFL or Major League Baseball where guys get claimed if they get put on waivers. The NHL, it's too much of the uh, good old boys network. It just doesn't seem to happen very often. So roll the dice a little bit, Stan. Roll the dice a little bit, Joel. You need more offense. You need more out of guys like Richard Panic. So... This notion that you're just going to keep running them out there on the first line night after night when you're dying for offense, you're dying for speed, just it seems so self-defeating, and it seems so just plain dumb, really. Well, you're also dying for a way to get Henestrosa here. And look, I like Osterley, and I was told by someone in the organization that the team really likes him. But guess what? Even if you love him, even if you think in a year or two he's going to be a top-four defenseman, I, which – is unlikely can we all agree on that right he's looking more like a four or five sort of a guy even if that comes true and you lose him to waivers fine you've got the window just barely cracked open right now right it's not going to get any more open unless you know deburn and schmaltz become the next taining taining caves Taves and Kane. <laughs> your your habit of <laughs> mashing names together has finally ruined you. Yeah. <laughs> Who'd guess that I would misspeak? That never happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, open mouth say things. Exactly. It's just time, though. It's just time to put wave him. I don't care. Find a way. Trade him. Trade someone. Trade Michael Kempney for a pick if you're not going to play him. I don't know. You've got to find a way to get some help up here. It's not Tanner Caro. It's not. He's not going to be a guy you're going to plug into the lineup and is going to give you instant offense. Henestrosa is that guy. 
And there's other guys in the system, too, that can come up and do that. But not when you're sitting on Jordan Osterley, who's played, what, four games, five games this year? Yeah. We're, we're a third of the way into the season. Let's go. Like, what are we waiting for here? Apparently, they're trying to wait until they're at least nine or ten points out of a playoff spot before they start, you know, worrying about anything. What are they out now? Like, seven? I'm looking at the wild card standings. They are the fifth in the wild card right now. Uh, they have 29 points. Vancouver has 30 points. They're the last wild card team. Dallas has 33. There are four teams ahead of the Hawks in the playoff in the wild card standings right now. Yeah, that was my that was what I was thinking of. Just how many teams are ahead of the Blackhawks yeah. right now? And they're six points behind the Nashville Predators, uh, who have a game in hand on the Hawks as well. So it is fading fast. And we all talk about how much the Anaheim Ducks suck, right? They have two fewer points yeah. than the Blackhawks. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's time for something to happen. I'm sorry. I, I know it sounds vague and I know it sounds ridiculous, but look, wh- what's it going to take? You're not playing these guys. You're so afraid of losing. Are you just going to keep them on the bench forever? And, and I don't know, hope that uh, like, what, what is the, what's the plan? What's the hope? I don't get it. I don't understand what what they're waiting for. They're going to have Maybe. to do it eventually. They're going to have to. Osterley's played four games this year. Four. He's played four games. Again, how are you that worried he's going to get claimed if you are not confident enough to have him on the ice? The Hawks have played 27 games. He's played in four of them. That's not That's not enough for a guy who is taking up a roster spot that could be occupied by a forward who I guarantee you would be one of the Blackhawks' top 12 forwards right now. Well, I don't know. Guarantee you he would be. I'm going to predict that we're not idiots, and a lot of other people aren't idiots, and if this continues, so we look ahead to this week with the Capitals on Wednesday and Arizona, and I'm sorry, Buffalo and Arizona this week as well. If they don't win two out of three of those, it is time to make a move, and I think they're going to, and I think we will see, uh, you know, maybe we'll see Vinny Henestros at that point. I think it's going to happen. I think they're they're in the same place as we are. I just I don't know why they're so scared of losing Osterley. They must know something we don't. They must know that some team has had their eye on him, and they're just waiting for their chance to pounce. See, so, I'm not I'm not willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on that. Like you're not. I'm not at a point where it's like. We are that desperate to, like, we need that offense. The team needs that offense. I'm not willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that they just, like, magically know this. I don't. They've screwed up a few other things and made some questionable decisions, and I'm just, I'm not willing to give them the benefit that they have, like, this scouting report that somebody's going to pull the trigger and grab him. I just, Well, I, but they probably I, know who they were negotiating against <laughs> when they signed him as a free agent. You know, it's, or was that in a trade? Was he via trade? I do not even I thought they signed him. I I'll thought, check right now. Yeah, I thought he was a free agent signing, but I don't know, man. It's just, it's gotten to the point where it's like, if you're literally not going to play him, that tells me that you don't trust him. And if you don't trust him, then why on God's green earth is somebody going to waste a waiver claim on him? Yes, he was signed. He was a free agent signing. So there you go. So who knows? Maybe some teams after him. I don't know. It just seems very unlikely to me. All right, we got some other NHL stuff to cover, some other Hawks stuff as well. We're going to take another time out uh, before we do. Got to tell you about our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933, owned by Joe, the Zadralovich family. They've owned it since the beginning of time, and uh, it shows. It's a place that is uh, family-owned and cared for with love. It is a labor of love. They put their hearts and souls in the restaurant, in the food, and everything they do. And uh, like I said, it really shows. Go there for the famous poor boy. That should be the first, probably second and third things you order. Then maybe on your fourth trip, you consider something else. Uh, And when you do, you'll be happy with that too. Whether it's a burger, it's a chop, it's a seafood, the Icelandic cod, hand cut on premises. They've got the double baked potatoes, the ginormous, delicious onion rings. Everything at Marishka's is outstanding. So go check them out. 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Like I said, family owned and operated since 1933. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving, so you've got your chance to get in there. Get in there on the holiday, too. It's beautiful in there. It's decorated for Christmas. Very, very nice. So check them out, marishkas.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash marishkas. We'll be right back with more Red Hot Hockey Conversation.
on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've talked about the Blackhawks schedule. We've talked about Richard Panic and their defense. We've had a lot to talk about so far, and now we got to get a little bit more general here with uh, some NHL news that we wanted to tell you guys about, but we'll make one more little detour into Blackhawks land because I want to talk a little bit about Jonathan Tabes because we brought him up in our last po- big podcast, not our post-game one, our last big podcast. And, Jay, you said he had played the worst game of his career in that, uh, I believe it was the Nashville game, right? Where he just looked like he was completely lost on the ice, just did nothing right defensively or offensively. I want to get your take because I think that since that time, he's shown some kind of signs of bouncing back a little bit, but I still think he's just a little bit off. What do you think? Uh, No, he's definitely not himself. And, uh, you know, you and I have been very patient with him, and I think we've given him the benefit of the doubt over the last couple years when his goal numbers have gone down. But the reality of the situation is, including last night's goal, Jonathan Taves has two goals in his last 24 games. He makes $10.5 million. I mean, it's got to be better. And, yeah, it's encouraging that he scored last night. Sure, of course. You know, he needs to get the puck in the net. Um, and, and my excuse was always, you know, he may not be scoring at the rate you'd like, but he's still good for around 60 points, and he's still going to give you some of the best two-way hockey uh, you'll ever see from any player ever. That has been falling off lately a little bit too. So when it's none of the above, he's still good defensively, right? He has been over the last few games, but he's not Jonathan Taves level good. And I wonder if the offensive struggles are starting to seep into the defensive end of his play as well because he just like you said he doesn't look right I don't want to go and give him the excuse of an injury because if you're injured then don't play right if you're too hurt to play if you're too hurt to contribute then get off the ice that's basically how I feel about it and I know Jonathan Taves is a little bit different from Richard Panic or you know Lance Boma of course obviously he gets a little different treatment and he deserves to but if this is what it's going to be he's hurting the team right now yeah. and I'm the last guy, you know, and you, you too are, you're me too. You and I are among the last people that want to criticize Jonathan Taves. I love the guy. He's my favorite Hawk ever, which basically makes him my favorite hockey player ever. And everything that he's accomplished in this town and the way he's accomplished it has been outstanding. But over the last two, three years, he's not been good enough. He's not been good enough. The offense has to be there. I know the all around game is there. Like I said, but the offense has to be there for the team for you to justify that contract. Uh, and right now, I'm having a hard time justifying it. Well, especially with the way he, like, emphasized, like, slimming down a little bit and focusing on speed in the offseason. Like, he wanted to lose a little bit of the bulk that kind of enabled him to be a strong defensive center. Like, that was, like, the thing that he talked about all summer long on social media and at the Blackhawks convention and, right. <clears throat> and just all sorts of different interviews. Where is that at? I haven't seen that. Like, I have not seen an uptake, really, in Jonathan Taves' speed and his skating. I Correct me if I'm wrong, please, Jay, but to my eye, he doesn't look any faster than he did last season. And I just I don't think that that emphasis on speed has had a positive impact on his game. I feel like he, you know, if he really wanted to do that, I think we would have seen it by now. We're far enough into the season where I feel like the results would have been coming. But, yeah, I mean, two goals in 24 games, that just, again, with your defense, yeah, that's nice, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's just not good enough. Plain and simple, this team needs him to score goals, and he's he's not doing it. And it's a concerning trend and one that I think the Blackhawks really need to start to – consider is there a way is there a way to get him snapped out of this you went out of your way to acquire rich uh brandon sod back so that he could skate with jonathan Taves, so that that line would be reunited and everything would be well and for like the first five or six games it looked great where is it gone like well, it just brandon it seems sod like has it's just th- kind of disappeared sod has three goals in his last 23 games so he's another one that needs to be better he's had a lot of hit the post, you know, shot it just wide. A lot of the opportunities have been there, including that that burst last night where he just came from like the defensive zone and just blasted past everybody. That was beautiful. That was vintage sod. 
mm-hmm. there's got to be more of that. And you and I have said for pretty much as long as we've been doing this podcast that, look, if Jonathan Taves wanted to focus on offense, he totally could. He can not worry about the defense so much and just start th- scoring it will if that's the team needed. Well, guess what? The team friggin' needs it now. They need someone to pick up the scoring pace. And now is the time if he's going to maybe take some of the attention away from the D and give it to the offense, by all means, do it. But there's nothing to me that's indicating that that's going to come anytime soon. And I know, you know, we talked about it with Marion Hosa before last season, where there were two, three years in a row where it was like, well, this is what he is, right? He's a, you know, 10, 11, 12 goal scorer and really good two-way player, fine. Then all of a sudden he had a great year again last year. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's coming again with Taves. I would hope so. He's not old by any measure. No one would look at Jonathan Taves like, that's an old hockey player on the wrong side of his career. Well, he no. is in his 11th season, and he's played a lot of games over that time. I mean, he hasn't really had any like long-term injuries. He's had a ton of playoff games under his belt, so... You have to consider that might be a thing. I, well, I, Sidney I don't Crosby has been it. through the same stuff, and I know he's missed a lot of time too. And but he's had those major injuries that Taves hasn't, and he's continuing to perform at the level that we're used to seeing with him. So I don't know, I, and I know everybody's different. I just I want to see more because, frankly, as a Hawk fan, it sucks for me to feel the way I feel about Jonathan Taves right now. I never thought I'd ever be where I am, where I'm saying, boy. This is not good. This is not something that's helping the team at all. I never thought I'd say that about Jonathan Taves, and here we are. Yeah, it's uh, pretty unbelievable. And I think it was kind of unfair to compare Jonathan Taves to Sidney Crosby anyway. Like, Sidney Crosby is a once-in-a-generation player in terms of his offensive output and just his raw skill. And Jonathan Taves, for all of his leadership and for all the incredible defensive play that he's put forward... He's never been in the same class as Sidney Crosby offensively, and I think it was uh, a little bit of wishful thinking on the part of Blackhawks fans that he ever would have been. Well, you know, there was a poll taken uh, what was uh, probably three, four years ago by NHL GMs, and the question was asked, like, if you were starting a franchise, would it be Taves or Crosby? And Taves got m- more votes. So, I mean, it's all fine and good to look back on that and say, well, you know, it was probably unfair to do that. But people were doing it, and he was making the money that he's making because of that, because of those co- comparisons, because of uh, the high praise he received, and rightfully so, of course, not saying it was undeserved. But, like, now that he's f- starting to fizzle out a little bit offensively and Crosby's not, doesn't change the fact that three, four years ago, that conversation was a toss-up. Yes, of course, Crosby was always the more gifted offensive player, but... It was him and Taves and flip your coin, right? It's the two best players in the game. That gap is now a cavern between Crosby <laughs> and Taves. It's not even close right now. Yeah, I, I would say Jonathan Taves, is he even one of the top centers in hockey? I don't think he is. I mean, define top, top 10, top 5? Top 10. Do you think Jonathan Taves is the top 10 center in the NHL right now? I think he's, oh boy. <sighs> I'd have to, like, go team by team by team. I would think he's probably somewhere right there, like 8 to 10, somewhere in there, still at this point. But it's teetering, and the fact that I had to think about it. That tells you everything (laughs) you need to know about a guy that's making $10.5 million a season. And when you make that sort of contract, you open yourself up to new uh, criticisms, right? It Just like Brent Seabrook signs that big deal. And it's an eight-year deal. Well, guess what? Now the spotlight's on you. Are you going to earn this money? I don't think so. Probably not, based on what we've seen over the last two, three years. So, I don't know, man. It's frustrating. And maybe next week we'll all be laughing about this, and Jonathan Taves will have three goals in four games or something like that. It seems like every time we really get down on him, he kind of snaps out of it. And he did score last game, so maybe this is the start of the rebound. But until I see it, until I see him play well for a couple weeks consistently – uh, including putting the puck in the back of the net at least once, twice a week, then I'm not, I'm not going to say that he's back yet. I, yeah. You know, I, I can't. Well, anytime we start to get down on a player, he seems to, like, have a bounce back. Like Patrick Kane, we were really, like, kind of letting him have it. And then all of a sudden, 
he jumps up and he starts scoring and goes on like a seven game point streak. So maybe we will have put like our powerful like jinx onto Jonathan Taves. Who knows? I definitely think that's what happened. 100%. I I totally (laughs) think we can take all the credit in the world for that. And I definitely feel like we have that ability and we should deploy it more often. All right. One more thing before we uh, get to the email segment. Uh, Seattle has gotten, uh, what is it, financing for a new arena. Yep. Uh, and when that happens, the buzz immediately begins about a Seattle-based NHL team. Uh, I think that'd be great. I, I would – I'd love that. That would be – I love the town of Seattle. I don't know if you've ever been to Seattle, but it's incredible. Been. It's awesome. Um, it's a great city, and I think they would really get behind. I mean, look at look at the support that Seahawks get. Right, it's insane. That that crowd is ludicrous. And then, the, what is their soccer team? The Seattle Sounders. And are those one games of the most are highly supported teams in MLS. They're out of control. So we're looking um, looking at a tweet here from Chris Daniels. He says, "Breaking Seattle Council votes seven to one to approve six hundred and sixty million dollar key arena package. Uh, it clears away for a new arena and Seattle Center by twenty twenty, and a potential NHL franchise." So, and I had seen another report that the next NHL franchise that gets awarded to bring it to 32 teams would be about a $700 million expansion fee. Damn. That's, that's some serious coin, man. That's pretty solid. Uh, I, I would love it, man. It would be great. I'm looking at a tweet here from John Bucigross, uh, the lone hockey person at ESPN. He says Seattle would be a fantastic NHL city. It would be great to add a Washington Huskies college hockey team as well. I'll make the hats. <laughs> See, what I'm trying to figure out is how would they reconfigure the divisions then? Because you can't just add another team to the Pacific. They already have eight. They Hawks have eight. go east. I, you, I don't know, man. I, I think what they ultimately do is It'll I never think, happen, but it'd be great. I, I think they go... I think they might go NFL and have eight divisions of four teams apiece. I'm down with that. Like, I, wh- how would you do it? Would it be maybe Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle in a division? And then have the Knights, the Coyotes. Well, the, then you have to deal with the Sharks. Oof. God, I do not envy the NHL having to make those kinds of decisions. Yeah, I think that would work. I think the Sharks would work there, though. Well, the problem is you have the Sharks, Ducks, Kings, uh, Knights, and Coyotes. So that's five, like, all in that kind of area. So if you're doing four-team divisions, which one of those four gets left out? Could you move Arizona a little bit with, uh, like, Minnesota? Maybe have Arizona be with Colorado, Colorado. Dallas, and St. Louis, maybe? But the Bl- you know the Blues are not going to want to be separated from the Blackhawks. Too bad. Crimey River. <laughs> no one wants you around here, Blues. Go back to Stinktown. You know what? That's it. I'm I'm writing this for tomorrow. Dang it! And I'm gonna go through all these permutations, and I'm gonna post the link on our Madhouse Pod page. I'm technically off work tomorrow. I don't care. I I love re realignment stuff. It's one of my favorite things in sports. I am looking forward to doing this. This is gonna be fun. Well, when we uh, talk about the topics to discuss uh, on the score every day, realignment is always among the top topics of, of the day. We know everyone eats up a li- realignment talk. It is what, and no, I'm totally lying. Being no, you know dude. what? It's it's fun for me, <laughs> and that's all. You know what? That's I, all. You write what you love, and people are going to love it too. Damn it! You tell you tell the people what to love. <laughs> I am a trendsetter. Dang it! <laughs> well, I can't wait to not read it. <laughs> oh, that's that's okay. I haven't read anything you've written this season either. Well, I haven't written very much. That's a whole. Well, we get, let's do this publicly since we're with our beloved listeners. Um, you know, they like to give us advice on stuff. My problem is, I'm having a problem finding a place to start with my writing. Like, do I just randomly throw out a Hawks thing? Like, oh, by the way, here's Jay writing again. Or do I do like the quick game recaps, like I did? Last year, the um, what was it, like the incident analysis? I forgot what I even called it, but there was like an, as soon as the game was over, I'd write like uh, you know two hundred, three hundred words on the game, and then as news happened, I'd write a column. But I feel like it's been so random that I've done things this year. I think I'm gonna wait till January first, and then just get right back in the swing of things, like just start writing a couple times a week. My recommendation would be to have like a specific like 
topic for a weekly column, like, that would kind of be my starting point if I were you. Like, when I used to go through times when I would have trouble kind of thinking of anything to write, when I was kind of doing it on my own, not necessarily working for, you know, NBC, Bleacher Report, Hockey Writers, wherever I ended up writing at, I I do feel like I would come up with weekly column ideas, and that would kind of kickstart me again. So that would be my advice to you. And I'm interested to see if, like, readers have any almost like requests, like what they want to see you write about maybe like that. That to me, I think would be a good starting point would be a weekly column and kind of get some ideas from the audience too, because we know we have a lot of like dedicated listeners that are willing to kind of help us out when we get into funks a little bit, like they're generally nice people and they're helpful. So I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there to the listeners. If you yeah. guys have any advice on what Jay should write about, please, by all means, tell him. And I swear, if you start saying, talk about how much you miss Tabe, I will find you and I will bop you in the head with a newspaper. You I, know what I did to solve my Tabo uh, longing? You muted I him went on out. Twitter, didn't you? No, I didn't do that. I went out and I, uh, on my Hockey Ultimate team on NHL 18, I went and got, a t- got Tavo and I put him on my top line. With Jeremy Roenick and Wayne Simmons. Oh, yep, your three favorite players of all time. <laughs> They're right. There. If almost if only Tuomo Rucci was still in NHL 18. <laughs> Why isn't he? I feel like that's an outrage. By the way, speaking of our listeners, before we get to emails, this would be a fine opportunity for us to tell you guys about a couple things. First and foremost, if you've not heard, on January 20th we are doing our first annual. I don't know. Uh, our first ever event outing with the Chicago Wolves. That's Saturday, January 20th at 7 p.m. Tickets are $17. Those seats are in the 100 level right behind the goal. Good seats, close to the ice. But not only do you get the discounted ticket, that's about six fifty off the face value, by the way, per ticket. You also get a Chicago Wolves winter hat, a Chicago Wolves bag, a Chicago uh, Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast t-shirt and a Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast koozie. You get to hang out with James and I. The first 15 people to reserve tickets receive an exclusive pregame chalk talk experience with Senior Advisor, Director of Hockey Operations, Gene Ubriaco. He'll give you a scouting report of the Bakersfield Condors, that's that night's opponents, and do a brief Q&A before the game. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a really good time. There are 50 total seats available. I know several have been sold already. So if you're on the fence about this, you're thinking about it, get a ticket, buy one. If you can't find a friend to come yet, buy one, and then hopefully there's one left for them. But we don't want you guys to miss it because you, you you snooze. This thing's going to sell out. So I'm going to put the link to the event in the description of this podcast. Just click on it, and you will be taken to the page to buy tickets it's also on James's and I and the Madhouse Podcast social media pages, uh, twitter.com slash madhousepod. It's right on there. You don't even have to have Twitter to click on our Twitter account and find the link. So it's very, very easy. Um, so we hope you can join us there. And it's been a while since we've mentioned our Patreon and GoFundMe pages at length. The reason James and I can bring you um, these events, these frequent podcasts now we're going to start doing we started last night a post-game podcast after every game the reason these things are possible is because of the support we've gotten from our listeners on our patreon site and on our gofundme page patreon.com slash madhouse pod gofundme.com slash madhouse pod every penny pledged to us on our patreon or gofundme page goes to the podcast we have an individual bank account where that money is only used to fund things for the podcast, be it laptops, mixing boards, microphones. Uh, We bought a PA so we can have live remotes for people to come out and see us. I bought a mini mixing board the other day so I can take it with me to work. So if news breaks, I can do a podcast wherever I am and get it out to you guys. So all this money, all these things that you guys have helped us with have gone to the betterment of the podcast. And when you do donate on Patreon or GoFundMe, You'll get something. There's T-shirts. There's koozies. There's signed, uh, you know, three by fives. Whatever. There's different levels of 
uh, reward for whatever you pledge. So go check those pages out. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to give, just know it's not going to fund James and I's night out having beer. It's, I wish uh, it was. I wish it was, but it's all for you guys. It's all for the podcast. Um, and there are expenses to this. So we do need your help. We appreciate your help. And we try not to talk about it too often, but I think I've sort of not done it enough, to be uh, quite honest. So please, if you have even a dollar a month to spend on Patreon, it helps. It really does. So check those pages out, patreon.com slash madhousepod and gofundme.com slash madhousepod. Again, those links are always in the show description as well. Anything to add to that, James? Uh, me like money? No, no. I the, the only thing I ever add to this is I just I always express my appreciation to those that have donated. Like it has been beyond our wildest dreams how much people have supported and embraced this podcast and really allowed us to grow it to the point that it has. And we we would be nowhere without you guys, and we deeply deeply appreciate every single one of you. Absolutely true. And every month that goes by, when I check out our page i'm looking at 30 33,778 listeners over the last month i mean that's that's unbelievable yeah so who, who knew that many people would want to listen to us yammer about hockey and other nonsense it's crazy it's overwhelming and we are extremely thankful all right now that we've praised you now that we've asked you for your money it is time for your segment james are you ready to answer the emails i'm always ready for emails buddy Let's do it, buddy. I, we both said buddy. Let's do it, friend. <laughs> okay, bro. <laughs> Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. First email here we have. Oh, sorry. Hello. Tell the people who sponsored this <laughs> awesome uh, email segment. I'm all I'm all choked up from our uh, Patreon. Uh, our talking about our listeners and how generous they are. I have a little tear in my eye. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. There are a few restaurants in this world that mean something to me personally. One of them is Marishka's. One of them is Chuck's. There are others, but they don't pay us, so they don't get a mention yet. <sighs> but I truly mean that. We had my daughter's uh, not christening. What is it? Baby shower at chucks many many life moments have been celebrated with my family at chucks we love it uh great food whatever you like you like mexican check cajun check you know barbecue check everything at chucks is great they've got the standard bar food as well the wings the burgers everything everything there's good i always say that whoever you bring to chucks they're going to leave happy they're going to leave full they're going to leave satisfied there is literally something for everyone at chucks so check them out Two locations, one in Burbank and 79th and Natchez, the other in Darien, just north of Route 55, of I-55, sorry, on Cass Avenue. Check out chuckscafe.com for those exact addresses. But the specials they have there are outstanding. My favorite is the Saturday special, the Coach Anita Pabil. I think if Chuck, you if you ask Chuck himself what his best dish was, that's what he would tell you. Check that out if you go there on a Saturday but like I said, everything there is good. So go check out our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe in Burbank or Darien, chuckscafe.com. Now are you ready? Now I am definitely ready, and I'm a little hungry. I'm a little winded. Too many reads. Too fat <laughs> of a guy reading them. Ah. Woo. All right. Let me get a deep breath. <sighs> Wheezing. Okay. He says, hey, Jay and James, happy Christmas season to you both thanks andrew barker he said i just listened to the last episode on my way to houston and the email about what current blackhawks would have their number retired got me thinking do you think any hawks from the 90s will have their jersey retired ronick belfort chelios maybe bernie nichols i think chelly would be an obvious choice and i could see the hawks doing something with siebes like they did with palat and magnuson sorry for the long email feel free to condense keep up the great work cheers um, yeah, I think that if there is one, it would be Chelios, and they would do it simply because they're going to retire Seabrook's number, and you can't put seven in the rafters without acknowledging Chris Chelios. You can't. Oh, man, I'm I'm impressed that you were able to restrain your uh, Chris Chelios rage. Oh, I hate the man, but look, 
if you t- is was Chris Chelios a better player for the Blackhawks than Brent Seabrook? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me, and he was a captain for a long time and incredibly accomplished. So I think it's a no-brainer. I think when Seabrook retires, you put seven up there for both those guys, put two separate banners up there. Um, I already think Keith is up there for sure. Taves is up there for sure. Kane is up there for sure. Seabrook, yeah, like we Patrick said. Sharp, Patrick Sharp and uh, Tony Amonti up there. Uh, go ahead and throw Stop Tomo. It. <laughs> I love Tony Amonti, but it does not belong up there. Um, <laughs> I think we stopped short on Hosa, right, when we talked about it. Um, Corey Crawford we, has a shot. I think two or three good more years, and he he's up there, yeah. Because he's approaching the top of the organization in, in you know, records. So, yeah. especially considering the era in which he plays, where it's not playing every night and not wearing a helmet and the game's just totally different. For the modern era, he's been fantastic. So, um, yeah, I mean, Eddie Belfour was great here. Ronick, I love, but I think the Hawks are not super fond of Ronick. I think he did something, uh, which isn't too hard to imagine, uh, to rub them the wrong way. Um, I would love to see his number retired. I think he is the poster child for that era of Blackhawks hockey. Got kind a lot of, the, of us into it, that's for sure. Yeah, they were like the rock and roll Blackhawks, right? Mm-hmm. Ronick, Chelios, Belfort, those teams were, they, those guys were rock stars. And uh, I think Ronick was at the forefront of that. But I, I'd be shocked if his number gets retired. I think it would have happened by now. I think John McDonough would have found a time to say, hey, let's, uh, let's milk some attention here and, and retire Jeremy Roenick's number. Um, I don't know. Who knows? But I think first and fo- I don't think nothing. I don't think anything is going to be retired until this core is retired. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, oh, by the way, I wanted to bring this up because it just it's an in- it's a segue. I'm sorry that my brain works like this, but I wanted to bring up the fact that two of the people who have been on the Blackhawks beat for a little while now are yes. taking off. One of them is Christopher Hine of the Chicago Tribune. He is going to Minnesota to you know do a new thing up there with the uh, Star Tribune. That came up because he did a profile on John McDonough, who just hit 10 years in charge of the Blackhawks, and wanted to w- wish Christopher all the best. Uh, really enjoy his writing, and he's just a really smart guy, and he's been really fun to learn from. And then Tracy Myers is also, she just left NBC Sports Chicago. They're cutting back on their writing and their website and she is going to be doing stuff for nhl.com so good luck to tracy good luck to christopher both very solid writers very good reporters and man this blackhawks beat is just looking so different these days brian hedger left earlier this year basically mark lazarus is like the only guy who's been around the block for a while now that's going to be covering this team full-time it's kind of crazy yeah, it, it is. The face of the beat is changing. And, um, you know, Chris Hine was always super nice to me when I would, you know, I'm not near the media. I'm not around the beat writers very much. And truth be told, there have been times where I have been where I did not feel very welcomed. Um, I'm not going to get into specifics of who or what or why, but whatever. Uh, Chris Hine and, and Scott Powers are two of the guys that were always welcoming and kind and they would show me around when i needed it um so i thanked him privately today for that i said to send him a private message on twitter saying chris hey you know good luck and i just wanted to say i really appreciate you being you know welcoming me on the occasion i was around you guys because not everyone did so it it did mean a lot when him and scott did the end brian hedger as well did that for me so i i wanted to mention that i'm glad you reminded me because i did forget um, but yeah, the beat is changing, man. And Laz is now the veteran. Yeah, and that's a very dangerous thing. <laughs> He's the Marion Hosa of the. Uh, oh my God! If he heard you say that, he—I don't know how he would react to that. I, if someone compared me to Marion Hosa in any way, it would be the most flattering thing anyone could ever say to me. Oh, I just—I just meant I didn't know whether he would like hug you or like you know yelp really loudly and pump his fist. Like I'm just imagining the joy that would be in his heart if you did that. It would be a positive reaction. You know what's not going to get a positive reaction? This email from Frank Ruffalo. Yeah. He says, is it just me, or have you noticed sticks not breaking this much this year? Yes, the games have been that boring to me that that's what I'm thinking about. (laughs) No, Frank, I've not noticed that. 
Thanks for the email. Now I'm going to notice it every time. Oh my god! Now, now our neuroses are gonna be just firing like crazy because now we're gonna be focused. Darn you, Frank! Why did you have to go from being Mark's, you know, less successful brother to this? Now you've just you've ruined this for us. Thanks a lot, man. All right, uh, you're going a little hard here. I'm not that mad at you, Frank. James seems a little fired up. I'm just I'm messing with him, and, I know. and I'm sh- I'm sure he's listened to the podcast enough where he realizes that emailers get sarcasm. That's just that's part of the deal. You email us, we uh, occasionally make fun of your name or you know take things way too far. It's fun. All right, email here from Dan Horgan. I wonder if he's related to Hulk Horgan. He says, "My name is Dan." <laughs> hey. I've been listening for a couple months now. I'm from Manhattan, Illinois. Hello, Dan. Thanks for emailing us. I I drive through Manhattan every single day. All right, cool. Uh, He says, with Q shaking up up the lines lately, which we're getting slappy again, which line combination do you think has been most effective this week? I personally think that the Brinkett-Hartman-Sharp line has been the best in a 200-foot game, but I would like to see someone other than Sharp on the other wing. Yes, God, yes. I want to bathe in this email. This email is perfect. Mwah. It's excellent. Well said, sir. Well yes, said. I agree on all points. Anthony DiCardo. Or Diacardo. He doesn't have an apostrophe after the D, but I'm just going to guess. He says, at what point do we begin to panic over the play of Taves and Seabrook? With the hard cap, a $10 million number one centerman has to do more than be good defensively. Ding! We mentioned that for a Hello, long Anthony. time. Anthony, we've already been panicking. <laughs> Next up is Louis Martinez. He says, is it time to shake things up and trade a core player? Is Alex DeBrinkett a core player? Oh, yeah. oh, God. The Blackhawks have not adapted well to having big, fast, physical defensemen. Hmm. I'm just saying it is too early to be talking about trading Alex DeBrinkett. You will never get value that will make up for his loss and i'm not saying he's like an incredibly good player that's irreplaceable and he's the cornerstone and yet no i'm not saying any of that i'm just saying you're not going to get the value that you think you will get for him or you should get for him so i think trading him would be a it's an interesting idea but ultimately i think it's a non-starter i don't think the blackhawks can consider that all right, email here from Nick. He says, given the Hawks' recent struggles, coupled with their season-long mediocrity, I'm wondering whether you think there may be some major forthcoming trades in the work well in advance of the trade deadline. I know both of you have stated this season is all about the continued growth of the younger players. While I agree with that assessment, I think that the current roster is unlikely to qualify for the playoffs, which would be a disaster in the minds of executive leadership. Nothing would be worse than returning to a state of fan indifference in this town. To that end, while numerous purported core players have no trade clauses, could there be value-for-value value hockey trade put together? I look back at the creativity David Poyle uh, had with the uh, Johansson for Jones, Subban for Weber, Turris for uh, Girard, and would like to see Stan employ more of this approach. Buffalo appears to have a fire sale in order, and there may be some good options there. Thoughts? Well... I don't know because I, I don't know they're not going to trade Keith they're not going to trade Kane they're not going to trade Taves Brent Seabrook has no value anymore untradeable untradeable you're not going to trade Brandon Saad because you shouldn't he's still 25 and is one of the premier power forwards in the game um, aside from that what do you have that's tradable you're not trading Schmaltz you're not trading to can trade Patrick Sharp for a uh, carton of smokes, maybe. Right. There's so it's either untouchable or unwanted, Ugh. and that's kind of the one guy on the team no, that has I'd trade value. There is one guy that we have not brought up, and I guarantee you, he has a lot of trade value. Corey Crawford. Dang yes. <laughs> and boy, if they have any sort of illusions of winning this year, or of They're winning not trading a, him, yeah, yeah, no. they can't. They can't. So you sort. The problem is, and here's you're saying it. Nothing is worse than fan indifference in this town. You're right. And returning that would be bad. Corey Crawford being traded from here is guaranteeing that. Because without him, you're not a playoff team. There's no no shot. Hundred percent chance you're missing the playoffs if you don't have Corey Crawford. And he's and, the one guy that's going to bring you anything back. But like, if you okay, let's say you pull off a trade, 
and you bring back a stud defenseman. Let's we'll just use the name Shea Weber for fun, okay? Okay. I whatever Shea Weber, cool. Um, is he enough to make your team that much better that you are both vastly improved in your skaters and good enough to overcome the loss of Crawford? And I think the answer to that is no. I I would agree with that. I still don't think your defense. Even if you add a complete stud, and I've loved what I've seen from Gustav Forsling and Jan Ruda this year, I still don't think it's enough, man. I don't think the defense is good enough to withstand the loss of Corey Crawford in that scenario. Right, and that's really the one piece you're going to trade to bring back a stud-established defenseman. Do you think they'd consider trading Schmaltz? I absolutely think they would, yes. And I, yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I, I think they get a decent return for him, but I think when you're looking kind of at the list of guys who are going to eventually start to hit like restricted free agency, like that's maybe that's maybe a guy that they're going to worry about their ability to re-sign because of the contracts that they have on the books right now. So maybe you not not in season. God, they're not going to do that in season. But in the off season, if you can maybe get like a solid like package for him i'd at least consider it i wouldn't like it but you know when you've got this kind of situation going on you're gonna have to deal with unpalatable options you're right about that i don't know man it's uh it feels like if they're going to remain relevant they're going to do it with the core they have established and they need like we've said all year schmaltz the brinket and forsling those three specifically to become borderline all-star or all-star type players that's really the only shot they have here because those are three top prospects they're in the league now and beyond that i mean dylan secura is a nice prospect alex 14 is a nice prospect but the brinkett and schmaltz are the two they've been talking about for a long time they're both here they're both contributing so far so good on both their careers same with forsling i think you could say after his recent improvement for sure um but these guys have to be star players. And uh, if they're not star players, if they're just, you know, good second line type guys, then this team is going to not be great for a long time. Uh, so depressing. Thank God they won three Stanley Cups. Yeah, that's hard to do. And yeah. it wasn't that I, long I, ago either. No, it wasn't. I mean, literally like two years and like four months ago, they won a Stanley Cup. It really has not been that long. God, we're spoiled. How about it? That's why, like, when people are ripping Taves apart on Twitter, I'm like, all right, I, I'm annoyed with him and I want him to be better, but I can't get, like, too mad at him. <laughs> it's hard. You know, it's like, well, the dude has won three Stanley Cups. He, You know, he won a Conn Smythe. He won numerous awards. It's like, I mean, the guy's already given you a career's worth of accomplishment in a very short time, so... Yeah, That's it's why not I like trouble he getting... looped into those rings either. He was an instrumental player in all three of them. Correct. All right, you ready to wrap things up? Mm-hmm. All right, let's wrap it up. We will talk to you guys, one of us or both of us, on Wednesday night after the Blackhawks take care or face the Washington Capitals. Who knows what's going to happen? Yes. We have to pick a winner, dude. Oh, God, yes. Pick a winner. <sighs> um, I, just for the record underlined my winner and it was the last one it was Nick's about the trade because I feel like yeah we have talked about it a lot on the podcast but you're really having to start to get creative here because there is so there's so much that they could potentially do and none of it is particularly like palatable like trading Patrick Kane is like a I can't believe that like is even a possibility, but this team, the way it's constructed right now and the way they're playing right now as a borderline playoff team, that is a very dangerous place to be. You do not want to be, it's not like baseball where if you're a borderline playoff team, it's add, 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 because you get, you know, so many bites at the apple. You have an opportunity to get to the world series. If you just get into the playoffs, Stanley cup finals playoffs don't work that way. You rarely ever see teams just eke into the playoffs and then, like, get a hot goaltender or something and then just ride all the way through. 
usually yeah. it's one of the top tier teams ends up winning and unless you're in that group it's not an ideal place to be so whew, there's a lot lots unpacked there we've talked about it a lot already and i'm sure we will continue to but my my winner today is nick for the trade question and nick is the new proud owner of a 95-96 Fleer Ultra Ray Ferraro card, the most Canadian-sounding human being in the world. Congratulations, Nick. And you've also won, more importantly, of course, breakfast at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. So we will get in touch with you, get all your info, and get those out for you. In the meantime, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast which has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's and Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE to save on tickets. And don't forget, Jan 20, Wolves, Bakersfield. Come out, hang out with us. 17 bucks gets you in, gets you a hat, gets you a shirt, gets you a bag, gets you a koozie, all kind of fun stuff. Gets you a hug. From James. Only if yes. you allow it. We do not unwarranted hug people anymore, James. Wake up. <laughs> not, a- not after that incident at Marishka. Exactly. No, now people are in control of what they want, and if they want a hug, then they'll let us know. Anyway, <laughs> thank you for listening. The link to the Wolves event and to our Patreon and GoFundMe pages are in the description of this podcast so go click them fart around see what you like we hope to see you on the 20th at the all-state arena until then we'll talk to you next time on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast if you look around you'll see the world can be pretty smart okay very smart At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. Ba-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's.